What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. Before I come across the table and rip Barry's throat out. Kevin Sherrington. I'm going to say to you what you said to me a while ago. Shut up. Barry Horn. I'm going to bring milk and cookies next week. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we'll be talking about the Rangers. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the Rangers Ballsy with a Z Podcast. We are now joined by, at least most of us are, joined by Elvis Andrus. Kevin apparently is having a little bit of a microphone issue. Uh, Elvis, thanks for joining us on the on the podcast today. We appreciate it. Thank you, Evan. Uh, you are currently in the middle of a workout at the ballpark in Arlington, and uh, I want to um, get to one question very quickly, and that is, how do you build on what you did last year? You you had your best offensive year of your career, uh, and and what do you do this this off season to get yourself prepared to 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 go there and beyond? Well, I think just continue to work, uh, you know, continue to keep moving, uh, you know, that process that I did from you know two years ago to last year, and uh, for me, it's just about to. You know, for now on in my career, pretty much uh, never stop working. You know, keep getting better offensively, defensively, uh, running the bases. So, you know, in every situation of the game, I'm just trying to, you know, continue to challenge myself to, you know, you know, trying to be better than what I did last year and, and, and you know, and keep moving forward the rest of my career. Elvis, what did you think was the uh, the big difference for you last year in, in making such a, a big leap offensively and, and having such a great year? Well, I think, uh, you know, be able to finally uh, simplify my swing, you know. I think that, you know, for a few years uh, I kind of got caught up in, in, in trying, to, trying to do so many things, uh, you know, on my swing and, 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 you know, every year trying to do something different, you know, instead of just, you know, go back to my strength, which was, you know, middle all the way and, 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 and you know, trying to be able to, stay in a good strong position every single uh, at bat and and last year that's what I did man you know I feel so good in every at bat it was uh, a quality at bat pretty much every day and it was easy for me to whenever I didn't feel good or whenever I didn't have any good at bat uh, you know uh, change that for my next at bat and and, you know everything just got a lot easier. To to your credit the one thing that you did do is you never went back to what was comfortable you you in the past, I think there were times when you didn't feel good at the plate or you weren't having success, and, and you kind of got a little bit defensive at the plate with your swing. I don't think I ever saw that in 2016. I thought that you trusted the process all the way through. Yeah, it was, I mean, you know, at that moment when I desire uh, to make, you know, that change on my approach, on my swing, and, and trust, you know, be, being able to trust uh myself trust my swing uh you know trust my coach so i think that as soon as i did that i was able to stay you know with my plan you know even those week uh that i've you know that that i've my struggle last year you know i was able to stay consistent you know come to the ballpark and do the same routine don't don't try to change 
or or trying to you know pressure myself a little bit more you know just uh knowing that it was going to happen it was going to last fast and as long as i was keep uh, working hard and keep doing the same thing on my swing you know i was going to be able to make that adjustment right away so how much credit does uh the the new hitting coach anthony iaposi get for this a lot man uh not only iaposi uh you know uh justin mashore uh that I did work with him in the off season uh, has a lot of credit, man. The, those two guys, uh, you know, they they were perfect uh, for my mindset. They were perfect for the way I wanted to work. Uh, so you know, I was really glad, you know, that we clicked really, really easy and really quick uh, on what do I need to improve from my swing and then what do I need to do uh, in terms for me to feel my hands and and deal like I did last year. So, Elvis, now that you, you've kind of gotten your offense really rolling, and I'm sure you want to maintain that, what is the number one goal for you as far as improving your, your play? No, everything. I think that for sure I want to uh, improve my defense, uh, too, trying to, you know, cut up those uh, easy errors and, and those uh, routine errors that I did, you know, quite a few times last year. I think those are, like, you know, my main thing. But, uh, you know, one of the things that, that I have this off season is, you know, I feel – you know, so excited about, especially, you know, my offense, how how I was able to turn pretty much, you know, offensively as a hitter, you know, being more aggressive and all those uh, type of teams that I, that, I, that I make the adjustment last year, you know, I'm really excited and I am pretty much can't wait, uh, you know, to get back on the spin training and, and, and start, you know, the season so I can pretty much still hitting, you know, start hitting like, like the way I feel last year. Hey, over the weekend at FanFest, Jeff Bannister apparently during a um, during a Q&A talked uh, a little bit about letting 2016 and the way the season ended be a motivation for this team going forward. You've got a little bit of experience in that you let how 2015 end be something of a motivation for you individually. Is it is it healthy, though, for this whole team to kind of embrace that idea that uh, we have to pick up something from last year? Well, yeah, I believe so. I mean, you know, the way everything ended last year, uh, we knew as a team we have, and we, you know, we couldn't play a lot better than what we did. But, uh, you know, that's baseball, man. Uh, you know, everything can change in one week, and whoever, you know, those playoff series are so short that whoever gets hot in the right moment uh, usually, you know, keep playing and keep, you know, advance, uh, advancing to the next uh, round. So, I think that it was just a little bit of that, you know. I think that we, we, we lost a little bit of edge, uh, you know, having, like, pretty much an extra week uh, without playing, you know, uh, 100% or play, you know, with that focus that we did probably the last month of the season. And it's going to happen, you know. It's, it's part of the game. Uh, I think the same thing happened to, to the Cowboys pretty much. And uh, it's something that's a team you learn, you know. We're pretty much going to have the same core. Uh, we're going to have some new guys that we know is going to help us. And, you know, hopefully, you know, the way I see, you know, our, our, our starting pitching is going to be better this year. So, same bullpen. So, I think that, you know, in the end, as long as we stay healthy, we're going to have a, a really good opportunity, you know, to uh, win the division and then trying to get deeper into the playoff. So, Elvis, have you been uh, in contact with John Daniels and telling him that he really ought to sign Mike Napoli? <laughs> well, you know, I don't, I don't really – Think too much or actually talk too much about that. You know, I kind of concentrate on my job, which is play short stuff, and I let him do all the trades and all the signings. So, for uh, <laughs> sure, it would be nice, you know, to see Nap, uh, an old teammate and an amazing player, especially 
you know, the season that he had last year, we, we know what he can do when he's healthy. And, and But, you know, he's, he's out of my hands. I think that uh, we'll see what happens, you know, in the next few weeks. And, and, you know, as long as, you know, the team gets better, you know, I'm, I'm all in for it. All right, let's talk about the really important stuff. I now. knew you'd get to this. Yeah, let's let's talk about the important stuff. Elvis, uh, you called me for some hints on, on how to propose to your girlfriend, Corey. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah, Evan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. You, you, you said all right. So let's let's get down to this. How did how did you plan this whole thing out? Did and first of all, we have some controversy here. Did you do this at the hotel Zaza? No, it was at the the Hyatt, uh, the the one attached to the reunion tower. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. All, right. all right. Very nice. So so how did you plan this whole thing out? Well, it was a little bit of a few, you know, a few person that helped me. Uh, I think Tiny Taylor, uh, you know, helped me a lot. Uh, you know, with finding the, the the right person to help me, you know, in the hotel and to pretty much set everything up, you know, like flowers and set the whole day up. And uh, you know, it was just amazing. It was, I think, it was pretty, you know, perfect. Everything kind of classy and casual, nothing too fancy. And and you know, it was a great. Uh, time for me and my fiance let's just let's just set the stage for the listener here and hopefully when we post this they'll they'll see the instagram picture again but there were rose petals all over the floor correct yeah we put they pretty much yeah they pretty much uh took all the furniture from the i think that's the presidential suite i believe so and uh you know the the hotel staff did an amazing job uh you know kind of working with me they have to took all the furniture you know, all the sofa and TVs and everything out of the room, pretty much to leave it empty uh, for me to uh, bring the musician, the, you know, classic musician. Oh, there were musicians too? Yeah. They were, you know, the one that kind of play, you know, like uh, like uh, violin and, you know, those romantic music. Type you of had us. an orchestra? <laughs> was, was, orchestra, was, yeah. was this purely your idea? It was my idea, yeah. Oh. I, pretty, I pretty knew what my fiancé likes and... Uh, you know, I was trying to put everything together, and and it ended up really special, man. Well, not only is it- I'm I'm speechless. You had a quartet of orchestra musicians, so you had you had four guys like playing the violin and the cello and all of that, right? Yeah, they were all there. They were uh, in the background. There was all there was a choir back there too. I think actually there was no choir. No choir. <laughs> and uh, what did you did you guys go to dinner first? No, we did that because that was her birthday too. So. That's that's what I picked that day, you know, because we were. She she thought that we were just gonna go dinner, you know, with her family and my close family that night, and she had no idea, uh, you know, that I was gonna propose because I stay, you know, the presidential suite. I stay in the room attached to that one, and uh, I pretty much let her know that we were just gonna stay that night there, and because we were going to like, you know, go to uptown and have a few drinks and just. Of like a night getaway. Uh, a staycation. We call it a staycation. Yes. So that was the plan. And, you know, for me to kind of, you know, we went there early, like around 5.30 to 6. You know, we got there. I showered. I got ready. She showered. She got ready. And as soon as I knew she was, you know, all the whole hair and makeup done, uh, I just opened the door. And, uh, you know, the, the presidential suite was attached to our room. And as soon as the... The guy started playing the music. Uh, she kind of like 
pretty much find out the whole thing. And when she walked in, I kind of called her. And when she walked in, I went down on my knee and, you know, kind of proposed from there. At any moment in this planning, did you think, what if she says no? Well, not really. I was going to, I think the, for sure, first thing I did, whenever I proposed, uh, you know, I'm going to have at least a like 90% <laughs> sure that she was going to say yes. That's 90. That's, yeah, at least 90, yeah. It's, it's like yeah. better than going to the plate. You you know you got a 90% chance <laughs> of success. Yeah. I know. It's yeah. an infield pop-up. I, I was really nervous. I was, like, texting uh, actually like 10, 15 minutes before I proposed. I was texting Adrian and my brothers, you know, Earl and Erickson, kind of asking for advice, and I was, like, walking, you know, from – one side to the other side in the room, and I was like, I was a little, you know, I won't, I won't lie, I was a little nervous. What did, uh, a, what advice did Adrian give you? Don't rub uh, her it head. Was just, it was pretty much tell me, you know, have a, have a drink, you know, relax a little bit, you know, you can have a shot to kind of <laughs> get the nerves go down, and and and, you know, as soon as the knee goes down, just you know, <laughs> don't think about it, don't plan everything, just you know, speak from your heart. Elvis, um, and it's not the end of. First of all, people need to follow you on Instagram because you and Corey have, have shared some really cute pictures, uh, both from off-season trips. Did you guys go to the Turks and Caicos? Yes, we went to uh, Turks and Caicos uh, right away, right you know after the season end. Uh, I always like to take you know that little vacation just to kind of get away and and. and relax a little bit my mind and uh yeah we choose uh turkin turkin kaikos this year and uh it was amazing man i think that uh you can choose that island if you want you know i think for two reasons if you want to write a book and if you want to have a baby which 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 end up happening in my case so did you write a book did you write a book or did you have a baby uh, uh, we have the baby then turkin kaiko so uh when uh when is the baby due for july july July, like mid-july yes so if if you get picked for the all-star team and or you have to be back home for the birth of the baby what are you gonna do oh no i'll go to my baby for sure i think that i'm still gonna have you know i'm I'm working hard for sure to make it next year but uh there's a few years you know left on my on my tank so i think that i can kind of skip if I, you know, if I get selected for All-Star Game, uh, you know, to see the burn of my, of my child for sure. All-Star Game or not, you take the paternity leave. Michael Young took the paternity leave in 2005 and ended up winning the batting title that year. You only have one firstborn. So our here advice from here is take the paternity leave. T- take, it, take it from Evan. <laughs> take hey, it from Evan. Hey, at, at, when Pudge got into the Hall of Fame uh, and he had that press conference, he mentioned something about Evan's hairline. At, at the at the uh, press conference, do you guys really notice that Evan is bald? Not really, man. I think that he's kind of that's his style. I believe so. I bet he, you know, he's been like that forever. You know, I don't think pretty much ever, since as a baby. He yeah. was born that way. I don't, I don't, yeah, that I don't way. think that he ever got hair, you know, in the <laughs> middle part of his head. So I think they always been that way. So <laughs> I don't see him with hair, with full hair. Thank you, Elvis. I appreciate that. All right, I will let you get back to your workout. Thank you for taking some time to uh, speak with us, and congratulations on both the uh, the engagement, which really was a uh, priceless picture, and on your, your upcoming baby. And give our congratulations to Corey as well. No, thank you, man. And to everybody who's listening, uh, there's something I want to talk, I want to say before I'm gone. Uh, is uh, how amazing Evan Grant, uh, War Rope, he's been... Uh, 
you know, an evolution through a couple of years. So I'll, I'll give you that. It's been a lot better, and that's a, that's a point for, you know, your, your wife. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you right. go. Well, let's cut that out. Let's cut that out of the tape. Oh, yeah. stop it. Thank you, Elvis. And this week, this year, I'll work on having matching belts for all my shoes, okay? Here we go. I, I mean, I'm, you know, I'll be watching. Okay, thanks, man. Thanks, we'll Elvis. Be well. Right, Take care. It was Elvis Sanders. He's a he's a really class guy. You know one of the things I love about Elvis? He he stands and talks no matter what happens. In the yes. Game. Yeah. Well, that was the thing after Game Five of the Division Series last year. I mean, uh, in 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 2015, he stood there. He had tears he in his the, eyes. He answered all the questions. He answered every question. He answered it more than once. Um, it's he, always been, you know, they, we give a, a baseball writers here in this market always give a, a good guy award, uh, and it, really you could give it to Elvis every year. Uh, I, I don't know, you know, you know, Adrian's great, but but look, El- Elvis is he's always pleasant when he talks to you. He he's always honest when he talks to you. Just like when we ask him about what parts of your game are you improving, he he realizes that his first of all his offense was had never reached anywhere close to the potential it needed to. For but he said he had to, to work on his contract. Oh, listen, in two thousand in two thousand and fifteen, when I talked after I talked with Tony Beasley about. Him basically, as much as Tony's ever going to chew anybody out, he kind of chewed Elvis out and told him, you're not a very good shortstop now. Right. And that's not a kind of story that a player wants to have related back to him, or no. really publicly. But Elvis answered all the questions about it, was polite, was candid, um, and was very was very honest. And I think that, you know, that's the kind of thing that, that helps in – certainly you've got to perform, but it also helps endear you to the fans. I want you – can, can when we post this online, the – the transcript of this. Can you send them a picture so we could have a photo of you with hair on on, on the website? I think we should get you. Here's what I want to do. I want to see that. I want to see like third grade pictures of Evan. And then have Evan's head superimposed over his picture as it, as it was. <laughs> How priceless would that be? That would be great. No, Evan's pouting again. No, I'm not. Evan, are you mad? Shocker. Is this Michael Young? Yeah, that was a shocker. Someone said Evan was pouting. I'm like, yeah, I definitely called the right. The right <laughs> there you go. <laughs> You're on the air right now. You realize that. What's that? You're on the air right now, ripping me. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of the whole point. <laughs> well, yeah, it is. Why, all why, why would I do it otherwise? Yeah, so, absolutely. Evan, g- give him an introduction. Everybody, Michael Young, Rangers Hall of Famer, uh, and member of the front office, who is uh, he's? Uh, are you kind of like the Paul Manafort of the front office? Oh my goodness! Um, would you say that that would be uh, the Paul Manafort who is uh, involved in the stuff that you're involved with? I don't what know what that so? means. <laughs> That's that, that sounds. That sounds uh, like let's, some... well, you, you do a lot of double secret stuff. You're involved in secret secret missions and things like that. Not the, you're not, there's a, that listen, that's that's between me and WikiLeaks. You have nothing to do with that right now. Okay? So no, you stay out of my business. All right, let's get right down to it, Mr. Front Office Executive. The question I think that is on uh, well, the first question is, is John Daniels gonna sign Mike Napoli or not? <laughs> um, you know, I I think Nap's whole situation is one of those things where it's kind of just coming down coming down late and given Nap's position in the game he's been around a long time I think he's been a, I think this is his third time being a free agent uh, he's probably very comfortable you know bringing this thing down to the wire so not really sure how it's going to work out I want the best for obviously our for organization I want the best for Nap uh, we'll kind of just see how this thing all plays out as, as time goes on the, there's there is a fit here on both sides regardless of terms there's a potential fit for for, for both the Rangers and for Mike correct 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, here's the thing, though. I mean, that's a fit. It's tough to, you know, I, I'm not trying to sit there and put the pieces together for an ideal lineup. But I mean, there's a there's a fit with Mike Napoli on 30 teams, in my opinion. Right. He's a championship player. He's a he's great in the clubhouse. Um, he comes to play. He comes to win. So 30 teams would love to have a guy like that. I mean, he all there's a reason that you you see guys who when they hit a certain point in their career, when they get like pretty much free agency on, you only see them on winning teams. Um, and Nap is one of those guys. Let me ask you, Michael, about that in the clubhouse. When we talk about guys being good, and this this clubhouse has had a reputation for a long time, largely through a lot of the work that you did uh, as as a member of the Rangers, but uh, as being a good clubhouse. To you, in your estimation, what is it exactly that makes a good clubhouse? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think the biggest thing is um, it's not, it's not a bunch of it's not a bunch of choir boys. You know, you don't have to be. It's a bunch of guys who are on the same page. It's a bunch of guys who, when it's seven o'clock, you know, you can have all the fun you want before a game. But it's it, a switch goes on, and it's go time, and it's time to go out there and post up and perform. And uh, once the game's over, there's no excuses. Um, if you if you're on the tough end of one, you move on. But it's a bunch of guys who are on the same page. Uh, there's a lot of different personalities that have to be meshed. Um, but a good clubhouse is one that's that's accountable, um, that's prepared, uh, and they're competitive as hell. Those are the ones you, you really want to be a part of, and um, I, I had the privilege of, of being a part of a few of those. Can you recall the last time Evan Grant asked you a question and you said, that's a great question? Let's see. Um, uh, I'm taking this as a no. <laughs> uh, oh, Evan is pouting again! Yeah, there he is, yeah. Um, and off the top of my head, no, no. Uh, I like it. That was good. Well, thanks yeah. for stopping the broadcast down there, Barry. Um, <laughs> let me. Here's the thing that is burning in my mind beyond the Napoli question, because I, I think the only thing that's left for this team to potentially do would be either sign Napoli or decide that you're going to go with what you got at first base. But I, I, I guess the possibility of Chris Carter still being out there would also be be a name, but. Is there this team has replaced Derek Holland and Colby Lewis with Andrew Kashner and Tyson Ross? Is there enough in the rotation now? Well, the biggest thing, I mean, uh, you know, first of all, we got to get you know make sure Tyson's on the mound ASAP, um, and, and he's healthy and he's ready to rock and roll and, and be who he is. I think that Tyson's in a in a very unique situation right now, and our fans are in a unique situation because he was in the National League West and. They probably saw only flashes of him with the A's. I don't think people around here really know how good this guy is. Uh, he is a he is a big time, um, you know, top of the rotation starter when he's been healthy, and you know, since he's kind of come into his own a little bit and sort of uh, been now kind of getting into his prime years. This is an elite starter. He has a potential to go out there and be. We have a big three with with the addition of Tyson Ross. Um, of course, we have you and 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 Cole. Um, so we're going to be in really good shape if we get into a situation where those three guys start in the series. Um, obviously, Andrew Kashner's got fantastic stuff. I remember when I, I faced him when he was with the Padres and I was with the Dodgers, and, uh, and I took this job shortly after. And I remember I came, I came back, and we were sitting in a meeting just chopping some stuff up, and he was one name, and he was a local kid too. So it was one name where I was really kind of like on the tip of my tongue as far as guys who I thought were really, really talented around the league. Um, so, I mean, and of course, Martin hasn't, hasn't really scratched the surface of what he can be. He checks a lot of boxes. The stuff is there. Um, and he's really, really young. So I think that we have a chance to have a really, really fantastic rotation. You know, the, the, the thing for me on that rotation, I want Kevin, I want you to get your point. The thing for me on the rotation is 
Dylan G was a name that that went kind of under the radar. It's a minor league minor league signing, an invite to major league camp, and he very well might make the staff to to start the season if Tyson's not ready. You've got AJ Griffin, and you hope this year for some for some growth from Chichi Gonzalez and 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 maybe even a minor leaguer behind him, like say a Johander Mendez or 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 Connor Sadzik. But but for me now, you're talking about an eight or a nine man. Uh, pool of starting of starting pitching talent and that is the way I think teams have to build rotations now it's not a five-man rotation it is it is a nine nine or ten man kind of pool of talent that you've got to look at you feel like you're a little bit deeper this year in that regard well I think this front office has done a great job uh, over the past couple of years of really trying to identify depth as uh, as a goal and as a priority and I think we've done that that's enabled us to last year go out and because of the depth that we have, we have just a lot of talent to enable, to enable us to have the best record in the league. So I think there's a lot of things that we, we've done, and this offseason has been no different, uh, where J.D. has done a really, really great job of uh, getting a lot of talent, making sure that Banny has options in case we have a couple of bang-ups. So I think that, uh, like to, you know, to your point, I think it's a, it's a big strength of our club. Let me ask you about Martin Perez, because, you know, for forever he's been talked about as uh, he was the Rangers' number one pitching prospect, and maybe their number one prospect before, you know, the days of Jerks and Profar and, 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 and so on. Um, what is it about Martin that you feel like he has to do to take that next step? I mean, he, he took a big step this last year and then ratcheted up his innings quite a bit. Uh, but what is it you think he needs to do to take that next step? Well, I think, Kevin, I think the biggest thing is a lot of times with these, with a lot of our young guys, uh, I think they just need reps. And what I mean by that is, Martin, it's almost like a blessing and a curse to be so good so young. You know, you look at Profar and you look at Joey and you look at all these guys, you look at Martin. They were, they were so good so young that it's almost like, all right, when's they going to take the next big step? When are they, you know, when are they going to, you know, and they move fast. Everyone's out there going to be. They move very fast. They burst onto the scene so young. Um, that they just pretty much need reps. I mean, Martinez already got like quite a, you know, a few years in the big leagues under his belt now, um, and he's still, you know, what, you know, he's still a young kid. So I think the biggest thing for these guys is reps. Pay attention to what's going on around them. If things don't go your way, find a way to learn from it. Now they are at a point in their career now where they can kind of, uh, they've had an opportunity to kind of learn by doing, and now it's a matter of you know going out there and making quick adjustments, in-game adjustments that allow you to really you know take that next step. Yeah. And I do think that is one thing that you you also kind of hit on there with with some of those young guys is so many of these guys move so fast that they got to the big leagues and I don't know that they were as you would uh, you would say totally finished off and they had to do some of that learning in the big leagues and then Martin's learning was interrupted by the by the Tommy John surgery. Sure. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, exactly. This. This is a big year for him. I mean, it, it, it's 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 a it's a significant year for him, and um, I, I do think that you can't un, o, overstate you can't overstate the importance of ratcheting up those innings. Once you've gotten to two hundred innings, then you can kind of finish things out. Yeah, I think so. But I mean, I, and I'm not trying to be uh, you know you know cliche here, but I mean, I'm of the opinion every year in the big leagues is a big year. You know, you have a lot of guys. Look at every guys around the league. You know, you can go out and burst on the scene. You have one bad year, and people are talking about if you're on your decline, if you're hurt. Every year in the big leagues is a big year. Uh, there's, there's you're right. That was off. cliched. Huh? You're right. That was cliched. I was. I wasn't even talking to you. Oh, uh, I like I, that. I, I, I want you to hit, hit your cough button and go out there and get some coffee. Uh, I love that. That's perfect. Uh, so I, I, I think that I really do think that every every year is big. Um, you can you can be. A, you know, a veteran in the league, and you know, have have a tough year, and and you know, 
you might get traded, you might not get re-signed by your team. Every year is big. I think the quicker these young guys learn that, uh, the better. But, yeah, it, it is a good point that you're making. I mean, if he can find a way to become a, his big goal right now is to be a guy that can really be a backbone of a rotation, someone who's dependable and counted on. And can you know that every time that Perez's his name is coming up for a start, that the guys in the clubhouse start itching, itching for it. And that's when you know you have a really good start on your hands. Here, here's the thing: when you look at this rotation right now, here's the thing that you've definitely got a number one. Whether you go Hamels or Darvish, you've definitely got a number one. You've also got a number one pitching in the two spot. Now that you have Tyson Ross, if he's healthy, I think he's a legitimate number three. You've got Martin Perez, who I think on the upside is what we would label number three capable, but you've got him pitching in the four spot. And that's the kind of thing that turns a rotation from a good rotation into a dominant one when you're constantly maybe a slot ahead of what the opponent is running out there. I agree. I agree. But I mean, it's also, I think that that works well for me, but you I mean, you know how it works. I mean, once you kind of get to a point where guys get banged up, it kind of gets scrambled a little bit. I think you're talking more about postseason, postseason sure. type shake, uh, you know, rotation lineups. Um, but that's a good point. I mean, you, uh, you look at what the, uh, you know, what the Cubs were able to do. Uh, I mean, they had a guy who, Kyle Hendricks was their three, and, uh, you know, Lackey was their four in, the, in their postseason lineup, and I uh, got a ton of postseason experience. I mean, that uh, stuff does matter. Um, so if you can find a way to guy to have a guy take that next step as the season progresses, and then he can, you know, be someone who lines up really well and uh, or favorably for your club in a postseason series, that's that's huge. There's really no way to to uh, underestimate that. Mike, I wanted to ask you about uh, your experience relative to what Jerickson Profar is trying to do now, in which he's being asked to play several positions. You were a guy who played several positions uh, throughout your career, and and really uh, it was kind of amazing how you how you were able to do that and handle that over the course of time. Let me ask: Have you ever talked to Jerickson about uh, the fact that he's he's been asked to do these many things? I have, I have, yeah, and. Um... You know, he's in a, it's, it's a really, really tough gig, um, especially when you know in the back of your own mind that you're really good at, say, one of them. And you're, but you're doing the job at the other ones, but you're nowhere near where you should be at the, you know, at the one that you belong at. Um, and he has that right now. He knows he's, he's playing some games last year, played some games in left, and played some games at first. And I'm sure in his mind he's thinking, I'm a shortstop. Uh, and, I, and he thinks he can think it'd be a, a damn good shortstop. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's just the competitive aspect of the kid coming out. But... Once the, the game starts, or once the lineup's posted, you've got to put yourself in that frame of mind to go out there and have success that night. And it is tough. It's really tough, especially, like I said, when you're learning a position um, uh, and you're not necessarily relying on instincts or you're, you're trying to you know, learn the position while you're out there in a big league game. That's really, really difficult to do because every ball you get at that spot is going to be new to you. I remember when I went to, when I went to third, you know, for pretty much that whole first first season every ball that was hit to me there was new one ball to my left that i catch in a short hop was new a ball to my backhand where i had to take a step back that was new i had never seen it before and i'm trying to make those plays in big league games so he's in that situation right now and it, and it is tough it requires a ton of extra work and a ton of confidence uh and, and fortunately that kid's um he's not short on confidence that's a great thing for him what was what was your best position did you think second i don't even think it was really that that close to be honest with you i thought that um, I thought I could do things at second that other people honestly just couldn't do. Um, I was instinctive over there. My my range was great for second base, and I had arm strength. And you know, you don't see many second basemen with arm strength. It's pretty rare. I thought that was easily my best position. Yeah, I thought so too. I also thought that your relay from the outfield was was the best in baseball. 
that was my favorite play to make in the end. So I loved it. Thank you, though. I appreciate that. That was fun. I mean, I would I would be on a ball in the gap with a guy in first. I would just be dying uh, for that guy to be semi fast so they can send him. That oh was my fun. god! That was my favorite play in the game. That was yeah. a good. That was a good point, Evan made. Thank you, Evan. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree hundred percent. But that, as I recall, now when you were in the Toronto organization, were you not an outfielder at one point? No, I played. I, I signed as a shortstop, and I, they moved me to second. Um, my first year there, um, they moved me to second and short. So right when I signed, I started playing both immediately. Could you Toronto? Play? Toronto had at that point in time. Toronto had a wealth of middle infielders. They had yeah. Felipe, yeah, right? They had Brent yeah, I, I remember when I signed. When I signed, um, I went to go get some early work at shortstop, and they had a kid named Cesar Turris who was seventeen yeah, at the Turris. time, taking ground balls. And uh, I remember I just said a holy S-bomb. I was like, that's the way pro infielders pick it. And they're like, yeah, do you want to take some ground balls a second? I was like, hell yes, I do. Give me as far away from that guy as possible right now. But you, um, and to be honest with you, it was great because every series he and I would switch it short and second. I learned a ton from just watching him at short. He was, he was awesome. And they, they, Felipe Lopez was there too, correct? He was, yeah. He signed the year after I did, and Abernathy signed the year before I did. And we had a, a, a lot of really good, really good guys at the middle. It was great. I, I love my time in the minor leagues. You know, when I, I don't know if I've ever actually asked you this, or if, or if I did, it's now um, so long ago that I've I've forgotten it. But uh, when yesterday, when Doug Melvin made the trade, did he at least mentioned to us the possibility of you uh, getting some work as a potential center fielder. Did he ever have a con- Did anybody ever have a conversation with you about it? Uh, Doug did not. John Hart did, and Buck did. I remember when I was in '03, uh, I was going to my third year in the big leagues, and I played. I uh, caddied for Doug Glanville in center field in one spring training game. Did you, you really? That? You picked up for Glanville and played center I field. Picked up for Glanville, yeah, yeah. It was Buck's first year there. Um, Had you taken any reps in center field? No, no. They put me out there, and I remember. I remember. I looked in the infield at that point. Hank was playing second. Yeah, I and saw I was that. Playing short, and I was playing center, and I was like. I don't like our chances right now. <laughs> I, tell you, I remember seeing this seeing Hank play. Decision. I yeah, remember seeing. Oddly enough, we lost like ninety games that year. It was really weird. Yeah, <laughs> I remember watching Hank Blaylock playing second base in spring training and thinking, "This guy looks like a fullback trying to play second yeah. base." It was yeah. Then and then my and then we opened up the year and Buck, you know, tells me I'm going to open up a second. I was like, great. Um, and then we had a three game series uh, in Anaheim. I played the first two at second, and I got benched. Um, for the third game, and Hank played second. Um, I think he, th- he turned a double play ball and you know, threw it in the weeds. Um, <laughs> and uh, I felt bad for Hank. I talked to him afterwards, and he was like, I have no idea what I'm doing over there. How does it look? I said, really bad. <laughs> so, like, that's the way to boost, that's the way to boost confidence. Yeah. Um, and then I think it lasts like another week. I think he played one more, maybe one more game at second. And then after that, um, I don't think I had an off day until my first kid was born in 05. So um, it was it was a quick experiment. You know, I I recall all of that, and and I and I was and I matter of fact, I had the only conversation I ever had with Alex Rodriguez, in which I felt he was completely and utterly sincere, and he was very demanding of the fact that if in the first of all that you should be playing second base and that uh, that they shouldn't be jacking around with this in, in any way and he said and if the shortstop's going to hit 40 bombs it doesn't matter if the if the second baseman does because that was why John Hart viewed the position that it had to be sure. a big time offensive position because well base. he had had Bayarga at, at Cleveland and, and Robbie Alomar to some extent mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and of course yeah. you you had not quite developed into the the hitter right. you would be uh, sure. at, at that point 
But I thought that uh, that was the one time I ever had a conversation with Alex Rodriguez where I felt like, wow, this is he's really and he was and he was almost mad, I would say, about the entire situation that the, that that y'all were that the Rangers were jacking around. But with listen, that so people much. can people can form their own opinions of Alex in, in his life experiences, but there was no stronger advocate uh, for Michael Young remaining with the Rangers and remaining in a key role with the Rangers. Then Alex Rodriguez. The only other guy that I, I, I would put on, on that list was, was Jerry Naren. Both those guys Jerry. basically yeah. pounded their fists that this was a guy who had a future with this organization. Yeah, without without Alex, I'm, I am convinced I would have been traded. I don't think I would have gotten through that 03 season. I think I would have been playing somewhere else. Um, but, I mean, I got I got very lucky, man. I mean, he was um, – I learned a lot from Alex. I really did. And um, I remember one day he told me the same – Kevin, he told me the same thing. He goes – it doesn't matter if you hit this, this, you know, I'll pick the offense up for both of us. I'm like, dude, my goals are a little higher than that. <laughs> I, mean, you know, I, I think I think I can get a little better here. So um, he's like, that's not what I meant. But I mean, it was it was it was kind of the same a similar point. And I didn't know at that point I had a lot more left, a ton left in the tank offensively that I hadn't really, uh, you know, scratched the surface of what I could be. And you know, fortunately, the way the 03 season worked out, I got a chance to. They ran me out there. I think I played 160 games at second and. Uh, that was kind of the start of me me playing there. Hey, uh, we're we're almost a week out here, and before we let you go, I'll just throw this one out there, see if you want to answer it or not. Do you want to? Uh, we, we've beaten Hall of Fame to death. Do you want to wade into the Hall of Fame? Sure. So, what is your thought? You have a question? Uh, huh? <laughs> yeah. You have a question? Yes, I do have a question. Okay. Where, where do you stand on the idea of guys who? Where do you stand on the steroid era? Because there's guys who are rumored to have used steroids. There are guys who are suspected of using steroids. There are guys who have been suspended for using steroids. Your career is probably going to leave you just short of really, really serious Hall of Fame candidacy. But you stand to be one of those guys that's basically penalized for playing in an era when there were a lot of guys who have inflated numbers. Well, first of all, and you know, in in my particular case, you know, you're 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 right. Um, and I knew, you know, for me, when I decided to retire, or well, even you know, my, I got my first big league hit when I was 24 years old. So in order for me to really have a serious run, I had to pretty much play till I was 40, um, just in terms of longevity. I mean, I played 13 years in the big leagues. That's not enough. Um, so I knew when I kind of retired, I'm like, you know, this is. I'm not sure how much longer I had at that point, but uh, I knew I was still going to have a significant role with the Dodgers where I can get a lot of at-bats and still potentially rack up more hits. Um, so, I mean, steroids or not, they really had much to do with me. Um, having said that, I mean, I, I was a clean player, and I do know when I'm out there, I, I'm not going to – I'm sure there were guys like me who were super competitive, and I wanted to be an even playing ground. And I want to let you know that you, when, when this game starts, you're on the same stuff that I am, which is basically, you know, like, let's go. We're, we're out here to compete. You don't get any extra help, neither do I, and it's go time. So for me, you know, I, I think that the clean players of my era, kind of to your point, are the guys that are going um, to be hurt by this. Um, but, I mean, it's, it's not just a matter of guys like me who are, who are good players. And, you know, Evan, I, you and I have talked about this. It's the guy who, you know, was in AAA fighting for a job, and there was a guy who was, you know, on steroids who was, you know, got about five, six, seven years in the big leagues as, uh, as the 25th guy on the roster who's going to rack up some pension time, pension and service time that another guy didn't get. He doesn't have any kind of pension at the Major League Baseball because he wasn't afforded the chance to play in the big leagues because there's a guy ahead of him who was cheating and who was better, a hell of a lot better than he ever should have been. And that's the part about, 
you know, guys who are on, on steroids that, that upsets me is that I remember playing against some guys and having maybe an inkling of what they were doing, and I remember looking at them thinking, you have no business being this good. You shouldn't be this good. Um, and for me, it's easy for me to look back on my career and, and know that everything that I got, I earned. Every hit that I had was earned. I don't care if it was a home or an infield hit. I earned every last bit of it as a clean player just through, some, through work and through capitalizing on an opportunity. So um, it's, a, it's a touchy subject for me. It really is because um, as a fan of the game and as a, um, uh, a student of the game and someone who loves baseball, I'm a huge fan of the Hall of Fame. I think it, I think it matters. I think it's a special place, and you know, I want to see represented by the right people. All right. Well, that's that's a that's that a, good a nice answer. hot take. Yeah, well, I liked it. That's a good answer. Um, which is surprising uh, coming from you. Um, uh, well, well yeah, you, you finally asked a good question. I mean, it took you thirteen <laughs> years. I mean, I mean, you ask a vanilla question, you're going to get a vanilla answer. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Well, thank you, Michael. Now we, I have to tell you that this has been a great visit, but um, the most important aspect of the day is coming up, and that's lunch. So. <laughs> <laughs> we need to let you roll. Um, yeah. Try using a fork, please. Do <laughs> <laughs> the guys next to you a favor. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been it's it's. I'd like to say it's been a pleasure having you, but I'm not so sure it has. Um, <laughs> all right, I will. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us, man. Thanks, you Michael. See you, thank you. you got it. Be well. There uh, goes Michael Young. You know, I like to bring up a point about Michael Young, what he said about playing second base. And I think as great a career as he had for the Rangers and, and all of that, had he been allowed to play second base his entire career and not ever having been asked to play shortstop and then third base and then first base, I, you know, I don't know that it would have made his numbers any better, but he would have been regarded as one of the great second basemen ever. He cer- uh, Well, he certainly would have been – he would have gone down in that conversation in terms of – best second baseman of this era you know I, I think one thing that does hurt him is that when you do start to look at the hall of fame type candidacy yeah the hits are going to come up a little bit short right. i probably needed to get over 25 well if, if jeff kent's having trouble getting in right then then michael would but I, I think a lot of people will look at him and say what position did he play yeah and and, and the fact of the matter is that, that he started I did this research at one point in time, and he started, I believe, over 100 games at all four infield positions. And he's the only guy in the last 100 years that, that did that. Mm-hmm. And and so there's got to be something said for that versatility. I, I also think that you can make the case on, on leadership. And what we talk about on the NBA podcast today, we talked about culture and influence on, on culture. I think a lot of the culture in this clubhouse now uh, was influenced by Michael Young. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so all of that matters. But – yeah, his best position was second base. He knows his best position was second base. He had no choice. Mm-hmm. The Rangers had two second basemen and no shortstop going to camp in 2004, and it was either walk into Buck's office and say, I'll move there, or wait till you know Buck decided in the middle of a game, hey, why don't you go over and play some shortstop? So, Who was the other second baseman? Soriano. Okay. Uh, and he was not moving. Um, of course, he did move when he went to the Cubs and played left field. Left field, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and Soriano was a terrible infielder. Yes, uh, and would have been worse at shortstop. So, oh my gosh! Uh, I, I listen. I I think Michael's pretty comfortable. He could have hung on for another year or two and 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 boosted up the hit total. Batting average probably would have fallen under three hundred for his career. Um, but there's there's some guys who were on the cusp of Hall of Fame who his numbers compare very very comparably with. You um, know, Evan, I have a question. Uh, I'm going to take us off 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 the grid here. You 
you just celebrated your third wedding anniversary this week, correct? Mm-hmm. And I think it was at your wedding where I saw Michael Young and John Daniels huddle for the basically they they, they made up they danced they I think they it, they, they danced at your wedding. Do you they, do you feel they, they didn't dance? But I you know they, do you feel any any was that the best thing that came out of that day? No, the best thing was was. The jugglers and then marrying <laughs> the jugglers. The, was, the jugglers was good. No, the jugglers and those cousins were those. Great. Those are Evan's cousins who were professional jugglers, circus jugglers, yeah. correct? Um, clowns, clowns. But uh, you know, I I, I will it say runs this: in it the was family. I knew that was coming. Uh, I invited a number of people from the Rangers organization, and having covered Michael for 13 years and had you know what amounted to a good relationship with him, I, I invited he and his wife Christina to come to the wedding, and I was. I was happy and honored that they did that, and I was. I, I, that was at a point in time when he and and John Daniels had, I wouldn't say uh, patched things up completely, but they were they were starting to talk, and they were and, in the corner the whole time talking. But I, I, I think that whether it had been at my wedding or something else, there would have been an opening for those guys to. I, I think they both realized that they enjoyed working with one another. Um, but yeah, it was it was nice to see uh, those guys having that much conversation i know kalashaw kept trying to butt in and get involved in the conversation he always does i know that was he at your wedding too kalashaw yes was, were you at the wedding too kevin yes okay so I'm uh but yeah the, was i there no oh. you were there very oh, yeah, right. we didn't but pay not in spirit though um uh, but i, I think that's a, tom grieve at the wedding I think it's a credit to both those guys that whether it was again whether it was my wedding or, or somebody or some somebody other event, wedding? some other event they would have been thrown together and they would have talked or they would have picked up the phone and, and talked to one another and um, I think they've got a really good working relationship right now and I think that John is at a place in in his tenure as a GM that he really does value. Uh, what the former player, especially a former player who's still mu- a contemporary of many players, what they bring what, to the what table. What does he bring? Uh, he, I think he understands the mind of the current player. I think he under- he thinks uh, when when things are presented to players or, or are going to be presented to players, he can take that conversation and say, okay, I see how you're presenting that as an executive and as a cold-blooded evaluator, decision-maker, and here's how it's going to play with a player. <laughs> and I think that's a, I think that's a valuable aspect. You just saw Thad Levine leave here, and the first move he made when he went to Minnesota was to hire Torrey Hunter, Michael Kadire, and uh, uh, Latroy Hawkins, all in roles similar to that that Michael Young and Darren Oliver have with the Rangers. What did he go up to Prosper and and, and just hire everybody he could find in Prosper? Kadire doesn't live in Prosper, but the other two. The but other you know, two I think that is a great point because I think that's the thing that uh, that separates uh, John Daniels a little bit from these other young GMs is that they. Is that you know? Of course, we all know that this is all taken over baseball. Well, you've got what your point. You've got a lot of GMs now who don't have a baseball background, right? Okay. And, and I and I think there's a natural resentment uh, there on both sides. There is to some extent, yes, to some extent. And and I think the fact that that says a lot about John is that hey, I don't know this, and so and to me that's a truly smart person. Is that when I I don't really know something, so I'm going to educate myself. I'm going to bring this guy in. I'm going to let him that, that's give been, me that perspective. It's interesting. You, it's interesting. The, you call John Daniels a young general manager. You know, he said that. And I thought this was interesting. He said I used to always get the question. He, he said there were two questions I always got. One was uh, I think about pitching, you know, and one was how how old are you? Right. He says I don't get the how old are you anymore. Yeah, but, but, but he's you're still, old, so he just seems young to you. He still yeah. looks like he's about twenty eight. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't aged much. a day, and he's no. going to be. I think he turns forty this year. Is he really? Um, yeah, I, I, wow. I think so. That 
But I, that is something that I, I really do think has evolved for him, that he does understand what the player, and he doesn't feel threatened by the player, um, that a player can bring something. And let, let's listen, Darren and Michael are two special examples. It also takes the right guy. Right. Um, it takes a guy who, who kind of comprehends the game and who can see both sides and who, who also is willing to understand, I'll have some input here, but it's not like I'm going to be a shadow figure making decisions. He, that, that's not who he is. Well, you're not going to get a better guy than Michael Young. Evan, right. I know you have a lot more to say. We, I know. We, we have, have to, to go because we have to get to lunch because we have another meeting about yes. the future. Well, do of we the really pop- have to go to that meeting? It's a few, about the meeting is your future at the Dallas Morning News, Kevin. So the, that's what I'm saying. Do it's we really a meeting have to go to that about meeting? the dissemination of this podcast and which radio network is going to be picking us up. Dissemination. Well, I I know Mitch Lawrence. Who I was, did not say insemination. Whoa, Mitch I Lawrence. Insemination. Mitch Lawrence, who was on the uh, uh, Barry Let's Maverick, Go Maverick podcast, texted me to say it was the most enjoyable twenty minutes of his life. Okay. Wow. All right, everybody. That's it from Podcast Central. We will see you next week when I'm sure I'll have some more home run hitter, Ranger guests, and Barry will underachieve. Oh, <laughs> look, listen to Evan. This is like the what was the last time Evan brought a guest, a, a, a quality 1987. guest? 1987. Yeah, he had hair that year. I had CJ Nitkowski last week. Goodbye, everybody. He's a broadcaster now. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Rangers Ballsy Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see ya.